Hey everybody, this is Perky of Perky Perspectives. Thanks for tuning in. Please subscribe to the podcast, which is available on Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Patreon. So please visit patreon.com slash perkyperspectives and become a patron. You can do it for as little as $1 a month. And that basically helps to support the podcast when it comes to finding guests or assistance for the show. You can also check out my affiliations with the For Us Nation. And you can find that on Instagram at For Us, For Us, and ForUsNation.com. And my own personal uh, website, which is perksofwellness.org. And then this is a love period episode. So please go visit tinyurl.com slash project, And that helps to bring information, educational, as well as just basic information regarding feminine hygiene products for young girls and women. And if you do the BOGO deal, you'll also buy one while giving one, or you can just donate, period. And so today's episode, my guest is Michelle Tillis-Letterman. And she is one of Forbes' top 25 networking experts, is the author of four books, including the internationally known The 11 Laws of Likeability, and her latest, The Connector's Advantage. Michelle is a connection creator and CEO of Executive Essentials, which provides customized communications and leadership programs for Fortune 500, nonprofit, university, and government clients. A former finance executive and NYU professor, Michelle is a regular in the media, appearing in NBC, CBS, Fox, NPR, and Wall Street Journal, New York Times, CNBC, and others. Michelle is also known for helping people work better together and advance their individual impact. And if you look in the show notes, there's a free gift link, book bonuses, and a connector quiz. So please visit her social media. She has a website. She has YouTube, Instagram, all of the works and support her and what she's doing. So hi, Michelle. <laughs> hi, how are you? I'm good. So yeah, um, you do a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and you've been doing this, it seems like, for quite some time. And I see you have the book covers around you. So The Connector's Advantage is the one that recently came out? Yes, that's my, that's my latest baby. OK. So what made you write this book? It was actually a follow-up to my first book, The 11 Laws of Likeability. And really everything I believe in is about connection. So all the people who are listening, if they're trying to um, get a job, get a promotion, get a client, get healthier, get happier, all those things are going to happen faster, easier, and better through their connections. And that's what I call the connector's advantage. Um, because if you think about anything you're trying to do, somebody out there can help you get there and yeah. you can help them make that happen. And it's just about understanding how to have that mindset of a connector. Yeah, and I think it's important for people to understand how important connections are. Because it's like, nowadays we have this mentality that we could do it all by ourselves. Or like, people love to praise this, um, what's it called, introvert. Like, I'm an introvert. I don't go anywhere. Like, <laughs> And it's just like, okay, that's fine. But how are you going to advance if you're not networking? Because that's like majority of the work. <laughs> I got to tell you, some of the best connectors I know are introverts. It isn't necessarily what our natural... Um, energy sources, introversion or extroversion. It is about um, being open and accepting, being um, willing to trust. It's about being social and curious and not like a social butterfly, but you know, the willingness for us to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation and to share. And I know that part of what you try to create in your platform is the ability to share about conversations that we might not have other places to share. Right. That's what connection is all about. Mm -hmm. So the 11 laws of likability, correct? 
So what do you think is like the one that people struggle the most with? Oh, well, so let me just give a little framework and, and then maybe I'll pick one. That's not when usually not a question people usually ask me. They ask me what mindset's the hardest, but not what the what law of likability is. Um, the book is about what to do before, during, and after a conversation to enable connection. And I would probably say the before the conversation are probably the hardest, right? People can figure out how to have the conversation and people will follow up where they won't. Patience is probably my hardest law. <laughs> um, but I think a lot of other people, sometimes they might struggle with authenticity, they might struggle with self-image, mm-hmm. or they might struggle with their energy and understanding how to find a productive energy Ooh, yeah. that's authentic. Yeah, <laughs> and it's true. So especially right now with this pandemic, speaking of which, like you do a lot of speaking engagements and you help clients well with the connection. So how are you helping people with connecting during this pandemic when it's not as much social and you have this six foot thing going on and you can't see half of people's face, you know? <laughs> I thought I saw a face mask was a smile because I'm like, people can't see me smile. Um, <laughs> actually, I think the pandemic has really opened up at least some of corporate America to better connection. I think it's enabling connected cultures within organizations because what's happening is we're being brought into your home. Like I see the yeah. surf behind your head and now I'm kind of curious. And um, you know, my dog, I closed her out of the office, but my dog often like pops into my Zoom calls and they, they're like, oh, I see a tail wagging. You know? <laughs> so people are going to see behind the curtain that we put up when we go to work. And I love that. And I hope that it extends when we do go back to the office that we're willing to bring all of ourselves back to the office and, and form those connections that, that are broader than just what do you do. Yeah, I know that's been an issue for me. I've, um, I usually keep it separate, very separate. Like I do mental health, so I'm a mental health clinician and it's already like uh, pretty intense to have to set boundaries like that's like super important because but it's hard because it's like these people are spilling so much of themselves to me and then I have to like pick and choose what's gonna be necessary for me to share in order to help build the rapport and now it's like yeah like you said like I do a lot of calls in my backyard and so they might see a cat or something run by or whatever and so it's like this different thing to set up but at the same time I'm just wondering like how is this gonna affect me and my work because I usually keep it separate like I go home and it's like okay no more work and I go to work and it's like okay home is is there I try to keep them very separate so like do you have any advice for people that are like trying to figure out how they're going to maintain balance after the pandemic well it's interesting because you are in a unique position being a, a mental health provider you have certain guidelines that you have to follow yeah. that the rest of the world doesn't um But, you know, even for you, the fact that you have a desire to sometimes share to um, allow somebody to feel that they're not alone, allow somebody to feel relatable, because that builds trust. And when you build trust with your patient, then you are probably more able to help. But I I won't go over the borders of what you can and cannot share, because that's not a world I'm in. Um, But for the rest of the world that's not um, dealing with medical uh, guidelines, um, what I would say is to take little steps and um, see how people respond. So I talked about it being a little dance and the dance is to ask. Ask something you actually want to the answer to. Be curious, learn about somebody, and then 
um, listen and share something of yourself or listen and probe for something more. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I call it a dance is because I don't want somebody to just interrogate and just keep right. asking questions, right? Because it's kind of like, whoa, uh, you know, but if you're willing to give a little bit, one of the mindsets of a connector is that connectors trust. And you have to give trust to get trust. And when you are sharing, what you're doing is giving trust. When you're revealing something about yourself, you are saying, I trust you with this information. Yeah. And what that does is it says, ah, I feel honored by this trust. And now I feel like I can trust you a little bit more. And so it's that dance, it's that reciprocity in exchanging information. So listen and probe, listen and share. And I think you said something really important. You said, ask questions that you want to know the answer to. Because I think, especially in romantic relationships, people struggle with that. They'll be like, well, what were you doing? And this and that. And it's like, okay, wait, hold on. Before you ask me, <laughs> are you prepared for the answer that might come out? Like, <laughs> and I think people don't fully think of, like, they don't realize that, yeah, you can control your actions. You can't control people's reactions. So you don't know what's going to come back to you. And that's like, to me, that was key when you said that. <laughs> too much information right and so what happens is we go into these situations where we are going to meet new people whether it's a dating situation or you know it might be like a alumni reunion like but you might meet somebody you know and we think about the anatomy of a conversation but if you start a conversation with curiosity and that curiosity is authentic then that conversation has so much potential Mm -hmm. but if you start a conversation with what what do you do or um, how are you? It's not a real question. No, because you most people don't care. Like, like you usually just say good or fine and just be on. Because like, do you really? If I told you, well, I'm actually depressed and I almost jumped off of the bridge yesterday. Like, are you gonna be able to handle that answer? <laughs> right. You're just trying to like get something going. So if you want to get something going, be more specific. Mm-hmm. What brought you here tonight? Or um, you know, have you been to this this area before? Or um, you know, you want something that is is a little open-ended, right? So, you know, how are you um, finding joy during the pandemic? Or how are you staying connected? Like, you asked me that great question about how are you enabling connection during this time? And I actually think I have been more connected. I'm a little zoomed out, but... <laughs> Tell me that. <laughs> done, I mean, I'm talking to my my parents way more than I used to because I'm checking on them. You know, I, we're scheduling like, um, weekly, um, college roommate happy hours. Um, like, so we're doing a lot of stuff that like we wouldn't normally do. And so it's a wonderful excuse to stay connected. But again, like there's some times where we're like on the phone and we're all just kind of staring at each other, you know, cause there's nothing to say. Right. <laughs> I still feel like you're, you're being, you know, alone together. Yes. Yes. Yeah, just, that's very helpful because a lot of people, and that's, they, they've been saying that. I've actually seen some, because I live in LA, I've seen some billboards that say like, check on, like, check on your people basically, because there's some people that maybe they already stayed at home a lot, but you don't, you didn't really know why, because you were too busy doing whatever you were doing to like, really, like you said, check in. And it's like, yeah, they weren't ever alone because they wanted to. They were just alone because they felt like they didn't have anybody to connect to. And now we have this pandemic where you have to stay at home and it's even more isolating. And so it's like having Zoom and everything has been very helpful, helpful, I think, for the people that have somebody to check in on them. But yeah, just a word to everybody. Please check in on your, your friends. Well, you know, it does scare me because, you know, 
my parents are of an older generation and it was tough getting them up on zoom we had like technology is not their thing and there is actually when i talk about health and happiness related to connection there's a lot of statistics behind it so um social isolation is greater um on your mortality than obesity so this time where people are really forced to be alone, and if they don't have people checking in on them, that can kill them faster than eating and eating and eating. And it will kill them at an equal rate to as if they had smoked 15 cigarettes a day for 10 years. Wow. It has an equal impact to your mortality as smoking a lot. <laughs> so that social isolation is, is really challenging for our our mental health, but are also our physical health. Yeah, that makes sense. Cause I remember when I was taking psychology, I think they had that study with the baby monkey and then they had like the comforting like um, robot thing. And then they had the one that had the food and the baby monkey would rather go to the one that was softer and gave it comfort than eating because that's what we crave. Like we crave the comfortability, we crave the connection. So that definitely makes a lot of sense. So, so we are at home and you are our parent and you, I mean, before it was a lot of travel and stuff, so I, I'm guessing that came with its own dynamics, but how has it been having to be in front of your computer a lot more and having all these business meetings and then having the demands of your dog and your children and whatever else comes with your daily life? <laughs> well, it's been unique. Um, I actually, so, you know, we were schooling from home for a while and one of my son, I have two boys, they're 13 and 14 and one one kid is fine and focused and he's in his room and he's doing his work and he's done and it's great. And my other son is ADHD. And, <laughs> <laughs> and that come and he's got social anxiety. So he doesn't want to put his camera on and he's, you know, like, so he's got dysgraphia. So writing is like, there's a lot going on for him. And so we gave him a room upstairs, not his bedroom. So he could separate, yes. but that room is right above my head. And so right before I got on this call, I ran upstairs. I'm like, okay, I'm going on a live podcast. You need to be quiet at 3 p.m. No running up and down the hallways. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. That is true. Like I, I have a few friends in myself that it's been very hard to, to I don't even know what the word is. Um, the separation, I guess, like you were saying, because it's like now everything is going through the same channels. It's like I need my phones by me because I might get calls. I have to be on the computer, but I have my own. Like this podcast is personal, but my work, I have to do Zoom calls too. So it's just like, oh my god, there's no real separation from my day life because I'm working from home. So it's like, how do I still find my center so yeah. that I want to connect to other people? Do you have any tips on that? <laughs> So it's interesting. I've always worked from home unless I'm out with clients or at a speaking gig. I'm, I'm always in this office and it's been a struggle. Um, and even more so now because with everybody home, I've got nowhere to go because somebody's there, you know, <laughs> like there's a line at the bathroom. Um, <laughs> so, um, you know, for me, what I do try to do is um, keep hours. And I have put, you know, out of office, like I put vacation time, I've held things in my calendar um, so that I can take my kid to like, they're having some socially distant play dates or, you know, they're doing soccer skills, not games, um, things like that. So they, they can't play with the other kids, but they can all be on the field. They have to be six foot, like trying to... That's Everybody <laughs> brings their own soccer ball. Oh, wow. Okay. That's and sick. So, so they could do goal practice. They could do, you know, 
don't know. I don't know software. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, so being able to kind of think about the space in the day and um, keeping the specific hours and actually putting an automatic message so people don't expect that constant response. And, um, you know, my husband, he was brought down to 50% payroll because of all of this. Yeah. And yet he's still working 100% of the time. And I kind of keep encouraging him like, okay, 3 p.m. Your work day is now going to end at 3 p.m. You know, it's not halftime, but it's better. Right. And so he's been trying to, to block calendars so that people, because people will just, he says he's like gas, he expands to fill the space. And our, our um, need to be action oriented makes us fill our calendars, but it's not necessarily with productive time. So we need to kind of think about the allocation of our time so that we have our family time, we have our you know, work time and we have our personal time. So basically boundaries, which like um, boundaries yeah. around life and time and. Yeah, actually it's a great word. Um, I always talk about giving yourself some, some rules or guidelines of what you say yes to, what you say no to, um, what your hours are. Like I'm doing a live stream in July um, and they were honored to do it at like Disease from Australia, like 11 p.m. I'm like, nope. <laughs> Um, you know, and I, I think because I work from home, but I'm not going to. <laughs> you know, when you invited me on your show, all the times were like 10 p.m., 11 p.m. I'm like, nope. Yeah. I'm like, this is hours. I'm happy to do it. But I'm, and so that was a great example where you came back and said, hey, we could do it at three o'clock. I'm like, I'm it. Right. Yeah, and I, I had to like consider that I'm I'm usually the only one on the the West Coast, <laughs> so I'm like, oh yeah, like my times are not the same as everybody else. <laughs> um, but I I really like the I think for me personally, boundaries have been the hardest thing for me to like really not really learn because I know what it is, but to enforce like it's been so difficult like whether it's dating it's in my work life or now and every day like whatever this is that's happening daily like so it's like I think that's super important with connections because I, I make really good connections very easily I can speak to anybody like that part is not hard like I definitely pick pick the right career and the right like things that I like to do but as far as like the demands that come on to me like especially now it's like you have jobs you work from home if you have children and you have to you're like a teacher slash parent slash cook slash driver like everything all at one time all of it <laughs> all of it and then it's like and then you still have the things that you want to do and people know you like like you 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 are really good at speaking you're really good at writing all these things so i'm sure people ask you to do a lot all the time and then it's like okay where does that boundary come up to where i'm like no like i have like, you have to say no and it's hard because you want to do it but it's like no <laughs> okay so you're talking about two mindsets of a connector that i really want to hit so one is um conscientious and the other is a generous spirit and they really go hand in hand so um a, a connector is conscientious in, the, in that they they do what they say they're going to do right they follow up they follow through but at the same time, they're really clear on what they're willing to say yes to and what they're willing to say no to. And that's where those boundaries come in. And, and that spirit of generosity, the desire of a connector to say yes to everything, but you also need to be generous with yourself. And that's also where those boundaries come in. Mm -hmm. And so these two mindsets are really critical for you. But if you think to yourself, saying no to this enables me to say yes to something else. And that kind of starts to give you permission because it's hard for someone like you, like me, to say no. And so I always say you don't have to say no 
without anything after it. You can say no if, or no but, or yes after, or yes with, or yes when, right? So it's not a, yep, it, for you, I gave you a yes if we can do it during business hours. Right. And then we got a yes. And, you know, it could be no, but if you get to this many downloads, then call me back. Or no, but I have somebody else who might be interested. And so that way you don't feel like you're just being mean. You're giving them a way to get yes somewhere else or giving them another way that you can help them. So um, I, you're right. I get asked to do a lot of shows, a lot of talks. Not all of them have a budget. And so what I did for myself was I created what I called my pro bono calendar. And I allowed for a certain number of slots per year. Like I looked at it on an annual basis because there could be three things I wanted to do one month but then that's going to take up three of the slots for the whole year. Right. Um, so it wasn't like, I'll do this many a month. It was this many a year. And here were the guidelines. And it was, you have to have X number of people. It has to have no travel. It has to, you know, maybe include a book purchase or something like that. So, um, so it was very clear that I could say, here's the, the questions. And then, you know, do you hit these requirements to be on the pro calendar? And if they said no, then I could say, but, <laughs> um, and so getting really clear, which is another mindset of a connector, having a clear vision on, you know, what you want to say yes to and what you want to say no to helps because then somebody understands here's the criteria and it becomes objective rather than personal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that helps. I mean, you you're a writer, so you probably write a lot to organize yourself. And I always I like I tell a lot of my clients cuz it's helped me. Like write it out. Like it's to me there's like three main things that like bring something into happening that law of attraction like making something come to you and it's to say it, to think it and to write it. And I think the writing is like very very important cuz it's like the visual like it's clear. You can see, does it make sense? Like when you read it aloud, does it, if I came and read it, would it make sense to me? Like how it makes sense to you in your head. And then, like you said, now, because it, everything is connecting when somebody approaches me out of nowhere and like, yeah, I want you to do this. Cause you're so amazing. It's like, okay, I can like, <laughs> what page is that on? Like, no, I got <laughs> these things <laughs> before I can connect to you. So I, that's very helpful. Okay. I love think it, say it right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so you are so spot on with that. And statistics actually back it up. I love my numbers. Um, but you are more like, I think it's 80% or 80 plus percent more likely to make something happen if you write it down. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be fancy. Like I'll see if I can find in my desk drawer. Oh, here it is. So in my desk drawer, I have a little post note. And you'll see, I like, there's a couple years of post notes. This is my Here's- annual. <laughs> That's so dope. <laughs> This is my annual plan. So 2020 is the first purple one, 2019, then I went to magenta in 2018 and 2017, back to purple in 2016. And I go all the way back to 2015 was blue. This is the last five years of me doing my annual plan. It doesn't have to be pretty, but what I is, is written down in a place that every time I open up my desk drawer, I see it. Mm-hmm. And so when you see something, it reminds you, it stays in the front of your mind. Um, the act of writing it down solidifies the clarity in your brain, but the real kicker in the ass is, well, I don't know if I can say that um, <laughs> again. Okay. Real kicker is when you speak it to others, because then you create an accountability. Mm-hmm. I've got to tell you when I kind of said I was going to write a book and then I got really bad feedback from my publisher. 
<laughs> on my first draft of the book. And I was like, I said to my husband, I'm like, can I just quit? Can I just give up? And he said, you can, I don't think you will because you've been talking about this and, right. <laughs> and the same thing happened with the last book like it took me so long to get this book out because it was just like it was just i don't know it was so hard to get all this thought out and finish it and um you know and i put out there to the world it was going to come out in 2000 and i think 18. and i had to go back to the world and say you know what sometimes done isn't better than perfect and i want to take my time and not rush it and it came out in 2019 you know and and so the fact that i had to be accountable to people who i said something to really does make things happen so i love yours think it say it do it and write it keep keep that yes i am and it's so funny that you said sometimes uh done is not better than perfect because <laughs> that was like the thing that got me to like push through some other projects that i was working on Cause like I, I was the opposite. I was like, it has to be perfect. It has to look like this and I have to do this. And I didn't do this yet. So I can't do the rest of the stuff. Like, and I was just getting in my own head, basically overthinking, like I'm, I'm a real ruminator. I go deep into some stuff and no, not usually other people don't go as deep as me. And so when that, when I heard that, I was like, yeah, I needed to hear that. But you're, you're totally correct. It does not apply to everything, <laughs> but, but I it's enough to get you started. Yeah, I know. I totally believe that done is better than perfect for most things. Mm -hmm. And my book is not perfect. I didn't get all the way to perfect. It never will be. Right. right? And it drove me nuts when I read the audiobook on the recording and I found all these typos. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, there's a difference between, you know, done and done sloppy just for the sake of being done. Right. And done well. Um, and done well is still not done perfect. And so it's kind of finding that right spot and, and that level of importance on it. Like, is that extra hour, day, week really going to make a difference? And in the case of this book, yes, it would. Mm -hmm. But in a lot of cases, no. And, and for you, you could write another book. Uh -uh. <laughs> I, I thought I liked you, but now I'm not so sure. <laughs> another book is coming 2020. No, <laughs> So like, you know what, this frames me well, four is good, I'm done. <laughs> you can just put like one that's as big as the window. That's gonna be the next book. <laughs> I actually have a post-it of this book, like probably the size of the window. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the, the, the gift? What is that about? Is it a surprise? No, I give loads of stuff away. So, uh, you know, one of the mindsets of a connector is to have a generous spirit. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I believe in adding value and I believe in giving because when you add value to somebody else, that makes them want to stay connected to you. Yes. Um, and so, um, I give, I have a quiz. If you want to figure out what level connector you are, you can take a quiz. I think you mentioned that the link is right there. Um, I have a, a video series called the five success accelerators, which is really hard to say. Um, and so if, um, if they go to my website and I think you have that in the show notes, they can sign up for the newsletter. They will get the branding exercise. They will get an interview checklist. They will get the video series. They will get free chapters to, I think, three of the books. Ooh. They get a whole, I give a lot of stuff away. <laughs> it's part of your pro bono calendar. <laughs> okay. You know, I believe in the work. Say again. I believe in everything that I write about and I think it will make a difference in people's lives. So I'm happy to get some of it out there. And then, you know, if they, if they resonate with it, they'll stay in my community. I give tips every week. 
Um, and maybe they'll go get a book and, and put a review on Amazon. <laughs> and what I'll do for the audience is I'll share what type of connector I am in the notes. I'll put it at the top. And then I'm going to like make sure it's real big that people see the free gift link um, so that they can take advantage of that. Because like I'm no expert, but people ask me all the time, like, how do I network and how do I know so many people and everything? And I think it's important because it's like some things come more natural to me. So sometimes I'm like, I don't know, I just talk to people. Like, <laughs> But there's there's something to that that I haven't even fully figured out yet. And I think it will be helpful for people to figure out what it is about themselves that they can highlight in order to go and connect. Cause it's like the same way that I connect is not gonna be the same way other people connect. And so rather than me giving the blanket on how I do something, it's like, no, like read your books, figure out what kind, do the quiz, figure out what kind of connector you are and really hone in on that so that you can become the best you, especially when it's like, like now people are only seeing like this part of us and if we're out, then they are only seeing like our eyeballs and stuff. So it's just like that we're having to be a little bit more creative in how we connect. And cause like for me, I read people's lips. Like, so when I speak to people, even though I'm not um, deaf or anything, like I really read people's lips. I'm really good at reading people's body language, but some of this stuff is really like throwing me off. Like, <laughs> so with you, I was thinking about that because I actually did lose hearing in my ear for about a year in one ear and I learned to read lips and I'm like, I kind of really continue to rely on it. Even though most of my hearing came back, I think about people who really rely on it even more than I do. And, you know, they've made masks where there's a clear piece here. So, okay. but most people don't have this. It's really fascinating, but, um, but yes, uh, you know what? Everybody has their own strengths with how they connect and understanding how to bring your strength and not trying to make it look like anybody else is key to connection. Yes. Oh, and I have one more thing before we end. I wanted to know, okay. Cause you were talking about, it's very, very important to show up as your authentic self from the beginning, right? So do you have any tips for people that, for whatever reason, they may be lied or wasn't as truly authentic in the very beginning, if there's a way for them to, to kind of like rebuild or repair a relationship that they didn't show up quite as much as themselves in the beginning? So there's a difference between, you know, taking your time to reveal and to share and to expose yourself versus I lied, right? So those are two very different approaches because it's very natural for somebody to then, you know, reveal more over time. And I would say just, you know, continue to take those baby steps and share. Um, when it comes to trust, which is also one of the mindsets of a connector, you're hitting on all of them, like just naturally, it's very impressive. I don't even know if you knew all of them, but um, when it comes to trust, we have to think about all the micro actions that we take on a daily basis. And, you know, it's so interesting in this time of civil unrest for us to think about those micro actions mm -hmm. because those micro actions have an impact on how we, everything is either building or breaking trust, mm -hmm. everything. Mm -hmm. And you have to recognize that you might be a small little thing in, in your world, but that has a impact to if trust is being built or trust is being broken. Um, when we are thinking about restoring trust, the first place we need to do is acknowledge the wrong. And, you know, I think that's been some of the struggle out there is that, you know, either there's a lack of acknowledgement or even a lack of understanding that there is anything wrong. And so to say, here's what I did, um, here's why I, why, I, why I understand it was wrong. Because without understanding, like if you know that guy who always says, I'm sorry, and you say, for what? 
because <laughs> they don't even know what they're sorry for. They just want to be done with the fight. Yeah. <laughs> that's not, that's not going to restore trust. You have to say, I am sorry for this. Yes. This action I took and, and understand that this is why it was wrong. You need those pieces. And that's the first step. Once you're there, then you can say, here's what I'm going to do differently. But don't say, what can I do? Because if I say, what can I do to make it better? I'm putting the responsibility on you. But if I say, here's my plan, then I can say, is there anything else you would recommend? I can invite your input. But I need to say, I'm taking accountability. I'm taking responsibility. I've thought it through. Here's my plan. Then now, now tell me if that's a good plan or not, or if you want to give me any advice on that plan. So that's kind of where I would start. Yeah, I think that's really good because, uh, like you said, like they'll put it on you, and it's like, well, I've done enough. Like you, you messed up. <laughs> like because then people, what they'll say afterwards is like, well, I asked you, and you never told me. So what do you want me to do? And it's just like you, you found a way still somehow to get out of <laughs> taking responsibility for your actions. <laughs> that that um, understanding and acknowledgement. Um, and that is really where it starts because when somebody says, ah, I, I get what I've done and I'm trying and I can tell you, I'm not going to be perfect. Like, so for example, um, I'm speaking to lots of diverse groups all the time and I, I heard it when it came out of my mouth. They said something about when women wear nail polish and a man in the audience said men wear nail polish too. And I usually say when people, but I didn't, I said women and I didn't take it back fast enough mm -hmm. and I offended him. And I, and as soon as he said, I said, you're right. I said, when anyone wears now, you know? And so what I started to do at the beginning of a session was saying, you know, I have to admit that I've always had very heteronormative language and it's something I'm working on. And, you know, I'm not perfect and I'm trying. And if there's a suggestion you have for me, I appreciate you giving it to me on the break, right? Because <laughs> I don't want them to call me out in the middle of the talk. Letting them know that I'm open to the feedback, letting them know I'm working on it will often let people forgive a slip mm -hmm. because I'm expressing my awareness and my um, intention. And so I've gotten better <laughs> um, trying to use language that is more inclusive, but I know I'm not perfect. And I cringe when I slip up, but I'm trying. And that's the best that we can do to some extent and to keep trying. Yes. Well, this has been amazing. I think I've learned, not only did I learn a lot about myself, which I love these, like people think I do this for them. No, <laughs> this is for me. <laughs> but, but no, like I, I've learned a lot about myself and about, I guess I knew more about uh, connectors than I thought, but I'm still gonna <laughs> read the book or listen to it because I really, podcasting hello i'm gonna it's my actual voice i got to record the audiobook myself oh that's good yeah i think that helps too because it's like there's something that comes out when you read your own things that other people can't can't ever really convey like you right so um definitely is that through the website as well i can find the audiobook through your website it, um it, it, i'm sure it's on amazon it's on audible okay yeah. okay it's there <laughs> yeah so please go purchase Oh, you have something else to say? I was going to say, I have a BOGO too. Um, so if you go into some of those links, you'll see book bonuses. I have a buy one, gift one as well. When I, you said that, I love that because my, my BOGO is a buy one, gift one. And if they gift one, there's a whole bunch of other bonuses they could get. 
yeah so you're definitely a generous generous connector <laughs> that's the goal so yes please visit all of her links there in my show notes so uh the website is michelle the facebook is the same linkedin is communication expert speaker um twitter is mt letterman youtube is michelle letterman and then instagram is mt letterman as well so go do the gift the free gift link so that you can see what your gift pack will um encompass go check out the book bonuses go do the quiz so you can figure out what connector you are and you can read through the show notes to see which one that i am and support michelle because she knows what she's talking about <laughs> and it's letterman with a d it sounds like david letterman but we spell it l-e-d-e-r-m-a-n so go find me i can't wait to hear from you and tell me that you heard me on perky perspectives yes and thank you for being a guest and i really appreciate you and i will definitely reach out if i have any more questions or if i could fit anywhere into that calendar <laughs> at another date <laughs> and thank you again for coming thanks for having me on Bye. <laughs>